0: Hi folks, Steve Urban here, host of the Riderflex podcast and founder and CEO of our day job, recruiting firm Riderflex. We hope you enjoy this episode. And as a reminder, please subscribe to the podcast for updates and news. Finally, if you haven't already, check out the series of books we've published on hiring, interviewing, and overall career advice titled The Rider Flex Guide, available on Amazon. And now, a quick word from our sponsor.
1: Most homeowners don't have the time or expertise to properly take care of their home, which causes costly issues to arise. That's where Cura Home Maintenance comes in. We're a full-service, routine maintenance company that was developed by a certified home inspector. Each quarter, we service our clients' homes following manufacturer's recommendations to properly maintain all the necessary appliances. We provide the materials and expertise to prolong the life of your property, creating a healthy and efficient environment for your family. From top to bottom, we'll maintain and service your home. To get started, we have a property inspection to determine what needs to be maintained, and a maintenance plan is created based on your preferences. From refrigerator coils to filters, vents, and drains, we do it all, and we do it well. Contact us today for your free, routine maintenance inspection and never worry about your maintenance again.
0: Tim Morgan on the Rider Flex podcast. Hello, sir. How are you?
2: Hello, Steve. How are you? Having a great day so far. How are you doing?
0: I'm hanging in there. It uh, finally got cold in Colorado. We're finally uh, here. We're we're at that pivot point where... uh, it's gonna be freezing temperatures. Might get a little drizzle out there this weekend. Finally, it's 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 here. But uh, I'm guessing you don't
2: have that in Atlanta. No, we don't. Actually, it's pretty cool here. We're we're in a really funky time of the year because in the morning it's forty-seven, fifty degrees. But then in the evening or after school when I pick my kids up, it's like seventy-eight degrees. So yeah, sweater in the morning, t-shirt in the afternoon. But um, it won't be that for too long. After about another month, it'll get it, it'll it'll drop down into the thirties and 40s. So yeah, it freezes
0: what a couple of times a year in Atlanta.
2: Very seldom, maybe in it's January. It, I mean, it's, it's it's very uncommon. But and when it does, it shuts the city down. <laughs> yeah, but it, I mean, it I'm, doesn't freeze often.
0: Right, right. Yeah, you're totally closed down for the day. Uh, so, Tim, before we get into business, tell our listeners a little bit about you, Tim Morgan, the person. Let's go way back. Let's let's start back. Parents,
2: siblings, where you grew up, if you don't mind. Right, right, right. So um a little nomadic in my in, in my childhood, youngest of five kids. Uh my mom and uh father uh divorced when I was I was young. So um my mother was a was actually a lay minister and um uh, kind of moved from South Carolina, born and raised in uh part of my life in Philly and another part in in South Carolina, but right. um typical African American youth in an in in the in in urban center you know, having a lot of time on his hands and uh, getting in a little bit of trouble. So my mother um, decided that she needed some help and she had uh, 11 brothers and sisters. So she, we kind of, as I said, it was a nomadic um, experience in my childhood. We went back and forth between a very religious structured environment in South Carolina to a very loosey goosey environment in Philadelphia. So, but that that, kind of shaped me. Uh, where where i what i am today because uh, the structure in that background growing up going back and forth from a very religious structured environment bringing it back to philadelphia really shaped me and it really made me see something outside of the normal Mm. kind of the lifestyle in the urban centers you know a Mm. lot of time on your hands a lot of drugs a lot of violence a lot uh, all those things right you know they always say in in a city you either uh or selling drugs or you're in athletics right so I was I was neither so I, I just kind of sat on a at like a bunk on a log however um my uncles kind of chided me and they just they say hey you're smart man just try college right so I right. I was always gifted but I was just notoriously getting in trouble steve I, I had a lot of time on my hands but okay. and I, okay. I, I wasn't a fan of school so when I was' in like 11th grade my mother said, so what are you gonna do? And I, I had no idea what I was gonna do. My older brothers went into the military. Most oh, most okay. of they they went into the military to escape the, the city. So the you know the military is a good option, army and navy. So yeah. um and I ended up going in there in the reserves, but my mom sent me down to South Carolina and my uncles they, they preached two things: you're gonna get a job or you're gonna go to school. So um, I yep. begrudgingly <laughs> followed my sister into college and I went to Savannah State and fell in love with academia, fell in love with Math and science, and um, it just it just encapsulated me. I saw, and, and that's an interesting thing about uh, many HBCUs, which is so valuable to the, uh, the United States fabric. Uh, the landscape is because you see so many African Americans from so many different areas of the world mm. that, that that are situated in this HBCU. And I became okay. a member of this 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 group of individuals and just thrived. So I ended up getting my degree in chemistry and at Savannah State uh, University. And ended up uh, doing some research, I was going to work on my PhD in chemistry with the Howard, did some research there, did some research at the United States Department of um, um, Defense. And then I decided to become a chiropractor, believe yeah, it or not.
0: I, I saw, <laughs> when, I, when I was getting ready, for the, getting ready for the interview this morning, and I'm studying your profile, and I'm looking at that, I'm like, what? Hold on, he was
2: going to be a chiropractor? Okay, well, yeah, tell me what, what happened or how that and that, it's interesting. Now, so no one, when you think about the segue into staffing, no one wakes up in the middle of the night and says, I want to be in staffing. Right? That's true. I, I didn't need but, it, right? right? No, I don't think you did either, right? No, <laughs> no. But no. I, I was a chiropractor. I was very successful. I was in Minnesota. and Minnesota? That, okay, well, how, how'd a, that even, how'd that happen? Minnesota. Chiropractic schools. And so I went to Northwestern Health oh. North Sciences University in Minnesota. So I... Okay. Um, <laughs> The guy that owned my building just seemed like he wasn't working. He just, he had a, he had a, he owned a building, but he had a staffing company in the building. His name is Tom. He's a good friend of mine now. Um, okay. And I, I said, man, this guy isn't working, but I'm sitting up here adjusting people, cracking necks and backs. And it, apparently he wasn't working, but he really was working. And I said, Hey, what do you do? He said, well, I own a staffing company. Let me show you what I do. And he Interesting. He, he told me about it and it seemed simple enough, right? Little did I know it wasn't. And because if you think about it, many, many chiropractors, lawyers, doctors, they hang out a shingle and you're that they have the of people walking in. So in, in, in these professional organizations, they don't teach you about business. So I had the struggles. I was successful, but I had the struggles of, you know, being a solo practitioner, solo uh, a sole proprietor. Yeah. So I decided, hey, you know what? I'm going to sell everything because I loved, I, I loved building businesses. It wasn't so much the clinical aspect of, of it, but I loved building businesses. sure. Yeah. Numbers,
0: yeah, because technically you're already an entrepreneur at that point because you had your own, your own practice. Yeah, yeah. I'm you're an entrepreneur. Teaching. And while, yeah.
2: while all my yeah. colleagues were thinking about, you know, clinical outcomes and taking a non-ambulatory to ambulatory, I was thinking about how many patients that I that I saw that, that I would see that day and how much money I made, right? How much okay. money I could get from the insurance companies. So um, I decided to sell everything. So I sold my clinics and I became a friend. I wanted to move back down to the Southeast. And I took my son and we went down to – the, uh, to the Atlanta market, and I found a, a, a woman, her name is Pam Cole, and she was a franchisee for Snelling. And she said, Do you want to be a franchisee? I said, Yes. So we became a partner, and I opened up the Atlanta market as a franchisee for Snelling. Staffing, how about that? That how is, about that? How about that? That is mm-hmm. how I got into staffing. That right there, that, that was the inflection point. That was 2004, 2005. I relocated mm-hmm. from Minnesota. Down to the Atlanta market. There wasn't a Snelling franchise in Atlanta at that time, and I opened up the first one in Decatur, Georgia. That is how it started. (laughs) Now
0: it's interesting, isn't it? Interesting how you go through one door left or right, and things just change in your life. Just one little decision. If you hadn't had your office in the building to meet the guy that had the staffing firm, none of that might have happened. Right? Not
2: there was out of sight, out of mind. There wouldn't have been any exposure. We yeah. were friends. He came over. He he, you know, I went to his house. He taught me. He showed me about, it would have never happened. I'll still be a yeah. chiropractor to this day. I a think a successful about it. one, but yeah. I would still be a chiropractor.
0: Isn't it interesting? As I get older, I really reflect back on that, you know. I, I think you know, just things like, man, if I hadn't gone here on this day. And met that person for this right, right. It's, it's interesting how life takes you down these it, paths. It, it isn't
2: it is this interesting because I was reading a book, it's called God Winks, and it talks about how God would wink at you and you you think there are common occurrences or coincidences. And it's really yeah. if you believe yeah. in a higher power, it's a higher source winking at you, kind of telling you, take yeah. this path. And it was a wink. It's because it wasn't knee-jerk, it wasn't knee jerk, Steve. It was yeah, I was yeah. there for years. So over years and years, I just said, Man, I want I I want to make money like this guy, you know. <laughs> because think about it: if you're a dentist, or if you're a chiropractor, or if you're a lawyer, if you're not practicing, then you're not really making money, right? Oh yeah. So I yeah, had totally, to be totally. physically there. So I wanted to be. I think I read um, Robert Kiyosaki's book, uh, Rich Dad oh, Poor Dad. Yeah. And he mm-hmm, talked. About, he, he, mm-hmm. Yeah. He talked about how the the professionals are the ones that are hurting. So I mm-hmm. wanted something that kept making money when I was asleep. So yes, no. The answer is no. I would. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for that guy that <laughs> rented me to space.
0: Nope. Now let me ask you, uh, let's go back. You, you talked about a son, so were you
2: married or you had a, a
0: girlfriend up there what, what
2: happened? No meta meta met uh, my the at that time love of my life in high school. I mean in college okay. and um at okay. 19 we had we had a son, so okay. uh, we had a son at 19 and we ended up separating, but okay. I uh, got co- custody and we moved down to uh Georgia
0: interesting did was that a, was that do you mind me asking was that a huge battle or she was like yeah go ahead i mean I, i'm not ready you you, you take well, it was a
2: little bit of, it was a, i think it was an afterthought you know obviously at that time i, I was young and a little hot-headed and you know i didn't grow up with my father you know and i think you and i talked about this previously so i mm-hmm. wanted my i wanted to be in my son's life okay so i said yeah. hey i'm yeah. going to move i'll take care of full responsibility and okay. so so she, she let it happen and it was the best decision that, that we both made for
0: him how about that did you ever get remarried
2: yes I'm married okay. now i am okay yes. any other kids
0: two a boy and a girl okay so three kids all together all right yes, how sir. old's your oldest is your oldest boy off to college grown married oh he's
2: grown he's grown now he's a, he's out he he went to morehouse and he's 30 years old so i'm, I'm old i'm 50 steve I'm 50.
0: <laughs> any any grand any grandkids yet or no oh no no
2: no 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 no
0: all right. not yet Hopefully. All right. All right. So he's not, he's not married. He's still, he's still no, just having he, a good time. He's he's still having a good time. <laughs> okay. Very good.
2: How'd you meet your second wife? Through friends where we were, we were, uh, had a frat brother that knew her sorority sister and we all went out one night as it, as it would be in Atlanta, young people. And we met and there it goes. We, we kind of connected. And that was ooh, 12 years ago. Ten years ago, something. Oh, like it's t- okay. Years. Okay, 10, 20 yeah. years ago.
0: Hey, you know what? For mm-hmm.
2: her, for her at that time to meet a guy
0: that uh, was raising a son by himself—that was
2: rare, probably, probably rare, or
0: you know, definitely rare. rare.
2: Definitely. I mean, regardless of color, most men yeah, aren't rare. raising the children by themselves. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, totally. you know, I think you'll find that I'm pretty unique good, bad, another. But you know, I, I, again, it goes back to me not being a, uh, having a father present in my life. So yes. I, I didn't want my son to go through the things that I went through. Did you ever reconcile with your father? Did you ever get a chance to know him? You know, it's interesting that you say that because I just talked to him for the first time in my life. In your life? A month, ago, a
0: month ago. Wow. Okay. Holy cow. All right. Tell yes. me about it. Tell us.
2: We got to hear this. Tell me. (laughs) Tell me. (laughs) Well, I was talking to my oldest brother and he had a relationship because when when he separated from my mother, I was just walking. So maybe nine months, well, 10 months old or something like that. I was just walking. So I never met him. But my brother, my older brother is probably seven years older than I am. So and and he's a little bit more. um, How could I say it? Uh, empathetic. So and there's two sides of every story, right, with, with regards to the separation. So he reached out to him over the years and they built some type of relationship and I just never, because I didn't build that relationship over the, my, my former 49 years of my life, I didn't feel a need to reconnect. Okay. However, okay. we were talking one day and some an uncle passed and he said about our father, he talked about it and I said, you know what, I, I he wanted to talk to me. And I said, sure, let's have a conversation. So uh, he called me. He said, could, could you, would it, is it okay if I give him your number? Yeah. He called me and we talked for probably two hours, two or three this, hours. So this was a, this
0: was a month ago.
2: Yes. That. Yes. Wow. That. Was it, was it emotional? Was it powerful for you? You know, um, it's, it's it's a podcast. So I, I, I think you could say yes, but not really, you know, it, 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 it wasn't because, there was absence there. So yes, yes, she's my father entitled, but there wasn't any feeling there. There wasn't feeling there was, I I think that it, it filled in some potholes that I guessed about that. I probably filled in with some Mm -hmm. disdain or hate, but I was able to pull it out and replace it with just, Mm -hmm. because there were, I I heard stories from him that were inaccurate from, with regard to to what my mother uh, told Mm me. So, mm-hmm. but as far as feeling like there was a, uh, like Antoine Fisher story, there was a movie that came out years ago with Denzel Washington. There was no, okay, let's let's get together and hold hands and go to, you know, eat a cheesesteak in Philly. He's still, <laughs> there, there, there wasn't that. There was, You're my father, you know, I respect, uh, I respect uh, it, but, you know, you know, the title was there, but fatherhood exists through experiences. And it was an absence of, there was decades of uh, lack of experiences. So there's no, if he if he should pass, he's my father. I would attend his funeral. However, I I can't, there would be nothing that that would evoke any kind of emotional or elicit any kind of emotional response, like tears or anything like that.
0: Yeah. Gotcha. Interesting uh, story. I appreciate you sharing that with me. All of that, your your experience with your mom and how you grew up, and and Philly and, and South Carolina, and the religious aspect, and all all of those things shaped who you are today, for sure. What one hundred percent.
2: All all, all experiences were great experiences at the time. They weren't, but as I look back, you know, they say hindsight is twenty twenty. As I look back, I, I I know for a fact that every experience that I no doubt that I went through shaped me. Because it is it, it's, 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 it's the oddest thing. You, you think, mm-hmm. well, that happened because now I can manage this. Yes,
0: that's correct. You know,
2: I and totally agree. you know, and it, it, I think it takes for you to hit a certain kind, uh, maybe a point in your life at fifty or forty-five or whatever. Yeah. You start looking mm-hmm. back, saying, "Oh, I had the tools. I had the tools, yeah. and you I, know, those I, tools, I, those tools were given to me." I agree. How's your? Are you? Do you have a faith now? Are you? Do you? Call yes. It, Okay. Yes, all right. I have a I have a very strong faith. Um, and that's the funny thing, uh, Steve. When I was uh, so I always say in my family there are saints and sinners, right? So well, in all, Philly, hey, that's
0: that's for all families. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so in Philly. I just ran amok and we didn't have much structure, but in the South, South Carolina, that's the Bible Belt, right? So we grew up very yes. holiness, you know? So you're talking about, mm-hmm. even to the state, I don't wear jewelry. So women don't wear jewelry. You don't wear jewelry. You don't watch TV. Women wear, women wear dresses. You go to church three <laughs> days a week. You know, you. I mean, it's just God, God, God. And yeah. while I'm not, um, I don't follow holiness. I have I, a Pentecostal. I, I do have a very strong faith. And my faith is based on where I know that, My hand is in another hand Mm. that is directing my life, and it's it's not as talented as I am, and as educated as I am, and as successful as I am. It's all due one hundred percent to my hand being in somebody else's hand. Mm, That I I I, I look back and I see it, and I know it. There's no absolute. I'm a I'm a man of science, but I can speak to with absolute one hundred percent certainty. My hand is in somebody else's hand.
0: Appreciate you sharing that with me. yeah, we have a very similar uh, background there. My friend uh, I grew up in Oklahoma and my mother is Pente- uh, not Pentecostal but uh, assembly of God, which is close yep, yep very. And uh, she's still hardcore to this day. Every time I go home she's trying to resave me. <laughs> and, uh, but but I uh, you know uh, I'm very similar to you, right? like I have a relationship. I say my prayers, I consider myself a believer. I'm not in church three times a week, and no, and I, and I and I probably sin more on a daily basis than my mother does. But 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 I do believe in the higher power, so to speak.
2: So, uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh well, get to my go ahead. You, you don't you don't stray too you don't stray too far. You know you you, yeah, you have right. the you have your foundation, and I built That's it. Right. You know, we go to church every Sunday. My daughter we, my daughter goes to Eagles Landing Christian Academy. So you know, our faith is what drives us, and as the head of my household, and you know, I. I look to God for direction and my family looks to me for direction. So I think that's a great, great um, it's a great team.
0: I actually, we can move away from this topic, but the last thing I'll say on it is uh, I actually think we need a little more of uh, your lifestyle throughout the country. And I I think, I think, I think some of the problems and challenges is we we've moved too far away from some sort of faith in, in so many aspects in life. And, uh, I feel strongly about that and uh, I think that's hurting us in many ways but uh anyway we're we're very similar uh, my friend uh, I'm going to go see my mom in December and I know it's like it's it's it's, it's just god 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 every conversation <laughs> like you can't like I can't just bring up any topic without, you like, no, mom, no, I'm like, yeah. mom, you're suffocating me. Can you please, can we please just have like a regular conversation? Correct. <laughs> I, I, I
2: grew up like that, but I want to add something to what you just said about the absence, the absence of prayer and, and, and faith uh, in school created yeah. a nihilistic mindset that has turned and turned our culture into just, there's no tomorrow, yep, you know, yep. I'll, I'll, I'll bask in whatever pleasures that I, that, you know, it's a society without walls so I can Too do whatever right. I want. say whatever I want, no repercussions. So when, when you have that nihilistic mindset, then my reper, there's no repercussions to anything. So if that's the case, then I'll do whatever the hell I want to
0: do. Completely agree. Completely agree. And by the way, for any of the listeners (laughs) of my podcast, if you want to send me hate mail over that, uh, go ahead and send it. (laughs) I'm I'm in total agreement. Uh, Okay. Very good. My friend, appreciate you sharing, you know, who you are as a person. I I appreciate it. Uh, Thank you. Thank you very much um great career you uh did several things in in the staffing uh recruiting industry um we don't have to touch on all those let's let's Mm -hmm. kind of jump forward to where you're at because i want to get into that so you're you're currently at 2c workforce solutions you've been there since january since january so so almost a year yep Mm -hmm. um Are you an equity holder slash co founder as well, Tim? I can't remember. Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, Tell us how you got there, how it came about. Did you have some friends call you? Right, right, right. So uh,
2: I I would have to to go forward, I have to go back a little bit. So um, when I moved down here from from minnesota back in 05 i was a franchisee for snelling with a woman called pam cole who's my mentor to this day she taught me staffing she told me when i met her she said you don't know anything about staffing so i'm going to teach you and this was old school staffing this is when we had no we had phone books there were yeah, right? yeah. The yeah. platforms yes. none of that crap. There, there was a phone book and it was a rolodex rolodex. There was a rolodex a desk, right <laughs> so um, she, I was in Savannah for a while and she said, this is staffing and now I want you to go knock on some doors and go make friends. I still say that to this day, go make friends. Mm-hmm. So um, we quickly grew from a handful of offices to, I think we had at, at the apex was 20 offices. We went from five wow. to 20 offices wow. from 05 wow. to like two six, uh, 2016. That's and we were, we were approached by a private equity co- company in 2016. Cool. And then we, we grew it again to 2019. Did you and cash we out right buy- there
0: though? When the private equity no, came in, did you no. did you get? There was no pay? Yeah, we got, yeah, we, yeah, we got
2: we got paid. Yeah. Okay. We paid. Okay. Okay. So okay. We stayed Good. on. We we <laughs> we reinvested, and then we got right. uh bought again by a private never private private equity company wow. in twenty nineteen. Right. Wow. Um. Yes. So that was uh M South. So we. And, and by the and, way, can
0: we just take a pause right there? I don't mean to interrupt you, but um, for the listeners, the aspiring entrepreneurs. Just those two things. I mean, going through both of those transactions, learning how to ne- negotiate through private equity, and then in, and selling to them, and then working for them technically as the boss because they have control. Like all of that, there's a ton of wonderful experience in there for your yes. career overall. A, a ton of learnings in there. We could we could talk about all of that for probably two hours.
2: Just those two. Yes. Pushes. Yes. <laughs> yes. It, it was. Uh, I tell people. From 2016 to 2019, I felt like I got an MBA. Yeah, I believe, you get I these believe guys that come in on these planes, and they are Harvard yeah. guys and all the higher level thinking. But it turned it. See, I was a practitioner in staffing, but they they through a lot of conversation and a lot of quarterly business reviews, monthly reviews. They taught yeah, me the exactly. business aspect of yeah, that. I a lot it. of staffing companies don't, they they don't really understand how to grow the business. That's why we exploded from 16 and 19 and really understanding the EBITDA, understanding Mm -hmm. how, I mean, it's a penny's business. The margins are so slim. It's a Mm penny's business. And if you don't understand Mm -hmm. that, you lose your shirt. You know, I think they said 86% of staffing companies don't do not make over a million dollars a year. That's probably right. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we were at, I think 86 million. Wow. So we 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 were pretty we were growing pretty fast now when we were, were purchased, and this is something that um I, it goes back to my faith I, at 19 Steve. I really had to think in 2019, do I want to come along to be a part of a bigger company? So that yeah. company turned out to be Employee Bridge that has 450 offices. And uh the seat, my seat at the table became what I felt was insignificant. I went from being one us. of two or three or four to be in one of 20 or 30 and it's just I I had to pray about it think about it uh I got counseled by people that know me know my lifestyle and know what's important Mm -hmm. to me and Mm -hmm. I decided that I didn't want to come along for the ride I didn't want to be a part of something so large where my voice wasn't heard and I think that when we talk a little bit more you'll understand why I'm doing what I'm doing now and and if we just take a step back, I was in the military. too. I went in the military, that's the, right. I forgot every, to touch to, on that. Yep. Yeah, yep. to the reserves, and I, I, I kind of felt about the same way. While I love the military, and I love, I believe, my, and this is something that's probably unpopular, especially now. I believe that every young man, and even maybe even every young woman after high school, should go into the military. Should go into. I'm fine with training. that too. I'd I'd they, vote they, for that. I'd vote yes go, for that. Go to basic training. That's twelve weeks. Go to AIT right. or A school whatever school you want to, and learn a trade. And then you can go to college or do whatever you want. It teaches you that there's one color. That's army green. It teaches you <laughs> discipline. Get your butt up in the morning. Take care of yourself. While I say your prayers. Make your bed. Put your clothes. I mean, it teaches you these these oh, work yeah. hard and skills that most won't even achieve until they're in their 30s. Uh, I'm, totally, I'm totally 18. in
0: favor of it. I'm totally in favor of it. If there was a public vote on that, I'd vote yes. My son, who went to the Air Force... Uh, of course, while he's in, he was hating it. But once he's out and he used the GI Bill to get his all the way through his masters for free. And now mm-hmm. he'll, now when you talk to him, it's like, Oh, it's the best thing I ever did. You know?
2: Oh, great. best thing you ever did. And, yeah. and here, here it is the really quick, you, it will the military. So you go in and they shave your head off and they, they take, <laughs> they take the, the black guy with the dreadlocks, the white guy with the spike here. They take the hillbilly <laughs> from West Virginia, the Chris yeah. from, yeah. from, uh, South, I mean, from South yeah. California, they take the, the Latino guy from Miami, shave all their hair off, put you in some um, brown drawers, and they call it nuts to butts. They make you sit on a bench, and they shoot you with these medicine. And <laughs> after about eight weeks, they put you in a foxhole, and you're there by yourself with this guy at two o'clock in the morning, freezing, and you learn to talk to one another.
0: That's wonderful. I love it. You love learn it. to communicate,
2: <laughs> and you learn that if you if you have any brain power, you know that despite color, we're 99.9% the same. And yeah. quickly exactly. you learn that I don't care where you are. We want the same things in life. We have the same right. hi- hierarchy of needs from Maslow, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? They all need to be met. We're just afraid to talk and communicate. The military makes you do that. I so, love it. Um, That's wonderful. So fast yeah. forward, that that went back to go forward. So um, after we sold, I decided that I didn't want to come along for the ride. So um, I, I, I resigned. Okay. And decided to look for something else that was more in alignment with what I wanted um, my, the rest of my life to look like professionally. An entrepreneurial, so joined, some, something entre- entrepreneurial something, or just something entrepreneurial, but I didn't want to use my money, so I wanted to use someone else's money. <laughs> but I know I had the skill set. My skill set is market expansion. My skill set is uh, growing sales teams. My because I was a franchisee, so I knew how to manage. Recruiters, train recruiters, direct hire recruiters, contingent recruiters, sales guys, outside sales, inside sales. So I offered my my experience to uh, a small mom and pop company down in Florida. Okay. Which I went down there for two, almost two years and grew them from twelve million to thirty-eight million. Uh, so you reload years, you, you you reload your family for that? I reload to Clearwater, Florida. I okay. Did. All right, all right. One of the Best beaches I've ever had in my life. I've experienced in my life. Playboys is absolutely amazing. But I reload my family down there and um, thought that, as God will have it, man's plans are God's jokes, right? So I thought that was the end of it. You know, We were doing well, opened up two offices for them. They had three, opened up an additional two offices. So we were exploding. They won the Fast 40. Uh, We were top. uh, In 40 years, they were in existence. When I got there, they had never won an award. They, they won number nine in the city of Tampa of all the fastest growing companies. So we were exploding. Then like all things on LinkedIn, a headhunter called me and said, well, she emailed, inboxed me and said, hey, do you, would you like to have a conversation? And I said, no. And she said, well, let's just have, I'm looking at your profile, let's have a conversation. So I said, sure. And she said, well, you have to sign this non-disclosure agreement. And I said, absolutely not. I'm not signing that. And she said, come on. So she was quite um forceful, talked to her, and she said, look, I'm working for this company, um, representing this company that is really trying to do something special. I saw your background and she told me about this opportunity, and it just resonated with me. It was an opportunity to get back to Atlanta, the Atlanta area. It was an opportunity to do something to wear the hat. Of business ownership, but not be not to use my capital to do it. Okay, but but the biggest thing is uh, what resonated most to me was to make an impact into the market. That's something that unconsciously has always been in the back of my head, but I didn't, I wasn't able to provide a solution for it on a global okay. scale like I wanted, and that was impacting those disenfranchised individuals returning from incarceration. So when she said that. Um, and this was a courting period. So we talked, my, my current boss and I talked for about six months and I went back and forth and we talked and I and we, we talked about the impact and how it could serve two guys, really. I mean, one guy, but two purposes is helping those returning citizens, but also fill the gap with employers. So um, they wanted me to come back to Atlanta and open up and with the intent of being successful to focus on a commercial staffing company that would provide resources for those returning from incarceration and uh, or in some phase of the uh, adjudication process and really filling and also educating employers on that missing talent pool that they're not getting because they have the stigma in their mind of what, what re-entry looks like So that's where I am today
0: great okay and it's the company is 2C Workforce Solutions the website for the listeners by the way is two the number two C careers.com. Yes, sir. Uh, and, and why, what, I guess I should probably know why Two C. what,
2: what, what's the, I don't know. 2C is, 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 is funny. Is second chance. Everyone deserves oh, a second chance. Oh, sorry. I should have, I should have, I should have, I should have. Yeah, that. that's okay. No, it's <laughs> no, okay. But we, you know, we say, and, and that's the beauty, that's the beauty about where I am now. We really started from scratch and we wanted to make an impact. So you and I have been in staffing for a while. Um, it's something that it wasn't about money, Steve. It was about impact. Because one I thing I do, it. and you might ask, so why? I mean, people are crazy. Why? Well, you see people that have been in staffing for 20, 30 years. You, you just love it, right? And I always loved people getting paid on Friday because you take that check and you go home and you we repair relationships, we repair communities. People don't get mad when they get a check, right? They go to Carabas, they go to the movies, they buy, they they take, take care of themselves, but now have the opportunity to take it one step further. And for this facet of the population that really are hopeless. I mean yes. it's it, and it's bigger than what you think. One in three Americans have a
0: background. So think about uh, we, def- okay, can you define when you say background, what do you mean? A felon, a felony? I have a felony, yes. One in three Americans. One yes. in three. I, wow. Okay, man. Let me let that sink in. I, one in three Americans have a felony. One in
2: three.
0: Yes. So hold on. They have a criminal record. So, they have a so, criminal record. So hold on. Let me make sure I understand this. Then, if I'm doing the math right, that means only seventy-five percent of adults in the United States can vote because twenty-five percent
2: can't because of a felony. Yeah, I don't know about the math on that. That's that, that's your math. That, but I that do not know math?
0: Math? I'm sorry. Sixty. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm doing that math wrong. 33,
2: whatever that is, whatever that. So, so, uh, well, let me let me let me let me back six. up. One in three Americans have a criminal record. So, it, it, it now how it's defined as being a felony or misdemeanor, but a, a criminal record is something that the government the, the government defines. But one in three Americans have a criminal record. Okay. I'll talk it I, okay.
0: Okay. I, I, I'm thinking that means only 60 or 70%, between 60 and 70% of America could vote. But I'll, but I hear what you're saying. Wow. One in three. Bigger than what I thought.
2: And and it, the number just exponentially increases when you think about those that are impacted. We call it justice involved. So when I say I'm justice involved, that means someone in my family has been in some phase of the penal system, whether they're I see, I see. incarcerated, coming out of incarcerated, on parole, coming off of parole, they're coming out of transitional housing, they, they they have a criminal record, so because it's it's not only that person, it's all everyone around that person, that be so included in that person. Wow! If you
0: include the person plus the impacted people, now you're talking yes. about forty percent of the population.
2: Right. So think 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 of this. <laughs> Something as easy as this. Steve, uh, you come down to it because you're in Colorado. You come down to Atlanta. You say, Hey, Tim. You know what? We're both good guys. Let's go. Have dinner. We have we have dinner. We go have a drink, and maybe yeah, I don't drink, but you know if I have more than what I should, and then I go, I go and I get a DUI, and for some reason get in a car accident, or whatever. It's not only me that's impacted. I'm in jail now. It's my wife who doesn't work outside the house. It's my children. It's my siblings that are yeah. all. It, it, and people don't understand that when that person, and that's a we're blowing it up obviously, the impact on that household, then that community, mm-hmm. and then society. Mm-hmm. And that's just a DUI. Imagine long-term incarceration—five years, yeah. ten years, yeah. fifteen
0: yeah. years—wrongfully convicted. That's a whole nother, You have to come back on the podcast. We can do a whole.
2: I will talk stuff. to you about that because I. Oh have my a gosh! Lot of thoughts on I've, had,
0: that. I've had I've had I've uh, had a few people on the podcast that have, are involved in that whole thing, helping people that are wrongfully convicted, et cetera. Do you know Mark Hugentobler? Tobler, H-
2: Hugentobler, he has the
0: podcast. All my friends are felons. No,
2: but I need to
0: know that. Yeah, I'll send it to you. I'll send it to you afterwards. All my friends are felons. Yeah. He uh, yeah. Anyway, but uh, okay. So, yeah, by the way, on the story you said about the DUI. um, When when I when I think about the people coming out of incarceration that need to be helped, I'm usually most sympathetic to those folks that ended up being incarcerated for one stupid mistake. And they weren't. (laughs) They weren't criminals before that, right? They didn't have this lifelong criminal. They did this one dumbass thing. They ended up incarcerated. And then while they're incarcerated, they had to join a gang or then they ended up doing something else dumb. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And and now their whole life is just completely flipped upside down. Those people, those people and the ones that are wrongfully convicted, those two groups,
2: I'm just like, gosh, I.
0: Right, right. People, and and there there
2: there are two buckets that really hurt me, and I'll tell you a story on a second. But the first bucket is when do you catch them? Like I said, I was in Philly, but my mom sent me home to home, South Carolina, to my uncle. So it kind of pulled me out of Philly. All my friends are now in Philly are either in jail or they're dead right now because Mm -hmm. they couldn't Mm -hmm. escape. So Mm -hmm. the age at which you your first stint in incarceration. So if you're getting in, you're going Mm -hmm. to juvenile at 16 years old, by the time you've been back and forth three or four times, by the time you're in your early 20s, you're a hardened criminal. Yeah. And what am I doing if once I go at 19, I come out and the first thing, and this is why I'm so happy I'm talking to you, when I walk out, when I come out of prison, I go back to my community and I look for a job and everyone says there's no jobs for criminals. So I need to eat. I might have children. I need yep. to pay my rent. So yep. I want to go back and do the same thing that I was doing and got me back in jail. After a while, you become a, a, a man is a man that's known by his actions, right? You, you you identify a tree by the fruit it bears. By the third or fourth time, you're a hardened criminal or yeah, you just exactly. society throws you away. Now that's age. So that's a whole inner city thing. Mm. Or even a, the, in, because i I in staffing, I've been blessed to Work down in South Georgia in the rural areas, and it's the same thing. It doesn't only have to be inner city. It's the mm. rural areas. Meth, methamphetamines, and mm. just mm. time on their hands are killing the yeah. young yeah. rural kids. Oh, we're not talking about me trying to place someone at work that uh, to work that is just a repeat of offender. We're not I'm not yeah. talking about yeah. that guy. Yeah, Understood. that guy. Yes. They exist. I'm talking about the individuals that have committed a crime that have paid their debt to society, whether through time or through financial restitution, and they're saying, hey, I have a skill set, I would love to make an impact in someone's workforce, whether it's manufacturing, yep. distribution, call center, administration, or what have you. And Mark was
0: telling me, the, the guy from um, All My Friends Are Felons, he believes that 90% of the inmates are what you just described. He said, "He said, make no mistake about it, he said about 10% of the inmates are, are psycho, lifelong criminals. Yes. That, mm-hmm. that need to be in there um but but he said the majority of them either grew up in the wrong place didn't have a chance made one mistake etc cetera, etc cetera, like you're describing
2: Yep, absolutely i say i say 90 plus i've been doing it for a long time and even when i've seen what's been evidenced in this office that i'm sitting in right now you yeah. would not think this guy just did five years you would never think yeah. he did seven years you would never think he did lodgy ruffin who mm-hmm. did, um, he's an individual that I met, um, you should look him up, R-U-F-F-I-N, L-A-D-J-I. He did 26 years. He now works for the state of Georgia. Yes, you would never think he did 26 years. You know, everyone says they want to be a millionaire, but no one really wants to be a millionaire. They don't, they, they want the trappings of it, right? No one wants, very few want to be a uh, CEO. So let's bring it down. Yeah. Just the, it. how many individuals have given a second chance they can make 30, yeah, 40, yeah. 50, dollars a year and yeah. take care of themselves. Yes. You know, that, that's it. But they just need the chance. And here's the issue: that the, yeah. the problem is twofold. So second chance stands for providing them a second chance, finding those employers, but also helping them with their own mentality. Because mm. once you've been institutionalized, mm. you have the mentality that I'm a criminal. No, you're not a criminal. You made a mistake, you paid your you debt. Now let's let's create another paradigm shift and let's talk about. Your skill set. What do you have to offer? You know the the, the employers in the community. So let's get away from uh, that that criminal mentality and let's leave it in the past. You've done it and let's move forward. So that's what we do as well. We're helping these individuals with those soft skills. You know, interviewing. Many of them have never interviewed before in their life. You know what 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 is work hardening? Eight o'clock means seven thirty. You know, I mean, conflict res- <laughs> conflict resolution the correct dress attire. How do you manage stress? So those are the things that we provide them with. a That's lot of great. Help. Love Even it. something as simple as a calm app, the calm app you see on TV. If you become a member of 2C Workforce Solutions, we provide you with a calm app so you can learn how to meditate. You can learn. I mean, it's so much that we can help these individuals with, and that's, that's what I'm passionate about. So if you ask me why I love doing what I'm doing, one, yeah. we're paying individuals weekly. Number, So we're changing communities. Number two, we're changing it. And People say the macro, the macro is that one person. I believe all the ills of society, the the ills that we have could be quickly mitigated if we just turned inside and if we just Mm. focus on ourselves, Mm. you don't have to be Bill Gates or Mark Zuckerberg. Just let's, let's prepare your home first, yourself, Mm. and then your home, then your neighborhood and then your community. That's how we, that's, that's the butterfly effect, right? That's how, that's how we create it. So it's that one person. That's what's important.
0: Tell me the business <clears throat> the business model so the help that you provide to the people transitioning now those those people aren't paying you obviously you're no you're' no. Just, you're, you're helping those candidates get ready and transition and then you are targeting industries and companies yes. that are that are willing to give these folks a chance and then connect and then connecting the two Correct. Easier said than done. So there's a, there's a, <laughs> yeah, lot, of there's a lot
2: of hats that I wear.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, and... made that, I made that sound simple, didn't I? <laughs> you, you made that sound
2: incredibly simple. I wish it was that easy. So, uh, yes, we anyone uh, could come, whether you have a background or not. So we're a commercial staffing company. If we have a job for admin or manufacturers, anybody can apply. However, okay. we do focus a lot of our attention on the return of citizens and know we don't charge anything. Come in, apply okay. online and okay, then fill great. our application. Come to see us. Go do the interview process. My work as the senior vice president is working with a contact in a lot of the companies. I was still, I just left DC, strategizing and trying to educate them on changing their policies, changing their paradigm. Easier said than done because it looks good on paper, and as you know, a lot of things are discussed at the C level, but it doesn't trickle down. So, oh, um, and, and as soon as I say reentry, individuals go to the negative pole. Right? They say, "Oh, Steve says, yeah, oh." I want to hire guys. I want to give everybody a second chance, but not at my facility. <laughs> let it happen. Let it happen over there. I'm glad with those guys yeah. that do it because I don't. Because yeah. as soon as I say reentry, then someone says, "Oh, he's going to get some murderers in here." Yeah, that's, that's what it is. So it's a lot of education, but what excites me is the early adopters. And we, I, and I'm not going to mention a company's name, but I had a company that I, I did a presentation for, and the HR manager looked at me and she said. I am all for this because my son just got out of jail and he cannot Ooh, find a job. Too. Good one. Yeah. I like my, that. my son, mm, the person yeah. that I raised, he made a stupid mistake. Stupid mistake. The wrong yeah. people. Yeah. And he went to jail, did three years, and now he can't find a job. Mm. And I'm so glad that you're doing this. Yeah. It's the That's why behind it. You can go to any staffing company, we're, we're, we, but we're, we're impacting lives. And... But the employer, Steve, there's a gap. Employers can't find, you know. Everyone's saying we can't find employees anymore. But you have individuals that are ready, Mm -hmm. eager, willing, and they want. They have a chip on their shoulder. They have something to prove. They're like, "Give me one chance, second chance. Give me a second chance to prove to earn my debt back to society." That's what they want to do. You know what I think? Uh,
0: You you know better than me. I'm guessing part of your Challenge is is Hollywood. Ho- Hollywood portrays, you know, anytime there's movies on TV and and it shows and it shows it shows people in jail, right, or prisons or jail, you know. To make the movie exciting, it always shows these super hard, Brit, horror, yes, yes. you know, on the face, yeah, yeah, and all these. It's like actually no, like not that's no. not uh, that's no. not how most of them are. You know, that's part no. of your challenge, right? So, because when you're talking to the HR lady that just watched some movie, you know, where she's mm-hmm. thinking, oh, I don't want like gang
2: members in here that have killed people, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. it, exactly. That's got to be a yeah. challenge for you. And you'll be amazed how many white collar, quote unquote, white collar individuals that we support, you know, embezzlement. me, you yeah. know, these yeah. white collar crimes that people really do time for, yeah. oh, you know, totally. so, or just like you said, a simple mistake, a battery, I mean, a mistake, I'm yes. Steve and I at the bar, we get in a fight, I punch yes. you, you fall down, yep. you hit your head. Now I, I do five years, you yeah. know, so it's, 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 it's my life's work. Steve, it's something yeah, that I'm passionate about and I don't need to, I don't need to rehearse because it it, it speaks for itself. There's, there, there's, there's a, there's an opportunity. There's a gap that needs to be filled and needs to be filled with some qualified individuals and they just need to be heard. One other thing I think you have going for you here is,
0: and I wanted to get into a lot of the state of recruiting, the future of recruiting and AI and tech, but I'm going to have to have you back on the show for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things I think you have going for you is, and I, I believe this, again, I'm not an expert, but this is my personal opinion. I think white-collar jobs and laptop jobs with the advancement of AI and technology are actually in danger, more in danger than trade-skilled jobs. I think I think trade-skilled blue-collar jobs are uh, highly valued right now and are is the safe place to be. It's safer to be a plumber right now than it is to be a software engineer.
2: Yes, yes, I agree with you a hundred percent. And you know, I shied away from AI until about three or four months ago, when I started tinkering around in it. And you yeah. are absolutely right. You can't. A brick mason is a brick mason. Yeah. And I, when I was in high school, they in tenth grade they said, well, in ninth grade they said, hey, do you want to you want to go to college? No. Are do you have, have the aptitude to go to college? No. Okay, so in your eleventh and twelfth grade year, we're going to send you to this technical school. Yeah. Half a day, you're going to learn a trade. Steve, I have jobs right now as a maintenance tech that would pay people the equivalent of 80 grand a year if they took the job, if you were a maintenance tech with the experience. Yes. That's yep. a two-year school. So yes, a lot of these white collar jobs are going to go away. Uh, totally. to your point about the future of staffing, the staffing, the community at large, they're tired of the old staffing model. They wanna so. know. They, they want to know why, what makes you – I mean, if, if you and I went and we called on some of the prospects out in Colorado or Atlanta, they would say, what makes you different? Totally they The pool doesn't change. No. So you, I don't have a magic I, pool of individuals. The and everybody
0: – and every staffing firm says, oh, we have the best process and all this exactly. stuff. We don't have that.
2: Everybody – I've been doing this for a long time. <laughs> Nobody has the best processes. Yeah, it's I know. Really, it, it's, it's really – your culture and are your people really working for a goal? What's your North star? So mm, what's like going to make your recruiters going to make that extra call? Your sales guys touch another prospect or customer. Are you really delving in and spending time at your customer site and knowing what they need and walking away from bad business? That's another thing that before, before I go, I, I want to express to you just because we're working with the reentry population doesn't mean that we're we're working with all clients. We're not having our people, fucking chickens picking up trash on the side of the road that yeah. no no when i came back i was talking to my chro and i told her we need jobs that are at or above market rates we're not paying people right. nine dollars an hour where they're, they're it seems like they're in a chain game again you see it all the time there's a bus and they're picking up trash why yeah. because you went to jail you Because you did two years no we need to and this is a whole i'll come back on this one but In the United States, we're not rehabilitating; we're incarcerating. I believe that. We're not teaching any. I I believe that. First week, I spent my first week in six correctional facilities in North Carolina, and trust me, my brother, there's not rehabilitation. You are housing people that are turning them into monsters. And
0: in Mark, when I had Mark on the podcast, I'll send you that one too. He said the exact same thing. So what he he the reason he got into it is he was. an educator in the system he was uh one of the guys that went in to educate the the prisoners and he felt like that he felt like the prison system didn't want him there he felt he felt like just like you said he's like they were just treating them like incarcerated monsters mm-hmm. and he almost felt this resistance from the administration to educate and help these people he's like it's like it's like this is it's just for them it's just a system and it's a money-making system it, almost like they didn't want the prisoners to be re-educated Correct. you know because they would
2: you know <laughs> because it's a it's, it's some i will say there there's some for profit there, there are some advantages to people coming back into incarceration right yeah. but and not to get too political but i see it as how, as we, how you view covid is covid a national emergency or is it a political thing? If you treat yeah. it as a national emergency, yeah. emergency so many people would have died. I believe and this is just Tim.
0: <laughs>
2: if you commit a crime, you probably you need rehabilitation. Whether yes. whether it was by mistake or whether you have yeah, some totally. ill, you have yeah. it's, a, it's a sickness or something. You've committed a crime, so let us help you. We're going to give you a Let's second help. chance, yeah, totally. as opposed to taking. Steve, have you seen it, I walk into a pod that is probably 20 by 20 and there's 40 guys in there that are there all day in their bunk beds and they're doing nothing, but uh-huh. they're around each other 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and they're, they're not doing anything but existing. That's just terrible. you. You would come out a different person. I would come out a different sure. person. After, sure, sure. Imagine if I went in at 19 or 20 oh, and I man. did five years. I go in as a kid and I come out a monster. So, uh, yeah. so that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother problem because what is it? 87% of individuals um, that that go to prison, they, they go back. They go back. So- yeah. yeah, They go back. I, you know, uh, I know we're out of time.
0: Um, I want to tell this one last story and then I'll mention website and stuff again. I've had several people on this topic on the podcast and it really gets me reflecting back, you know, now that I'm older, I'm 56. And there's just so many things I did. I did when I was young. I mean, first of all, first of all, first of all, I don't even know. I don't even know how many DUIs I probably should have had. The number of times, the number of times I could have went to jail for DUI. Yes, I don't even yes. know. I, Infantismal. I, I just got lucky. I got lucky. I just got know. lucky and never and never got never got taken to jail. But there was um, a few other things I did when I was younger. I want to tell this one thing really quick. If you don't mind, you got two minutes. Oh, well, no, oh yeah, no. yeah, absolutely. Um, I was seventeen years old. I was working at a convenience store, and my manager, who was like nineteen, he was selling marijuana from behind the counter. He had this little operation going on. This is in Oklahoma. <laughs> he, he he was the manager, and and when people would come in to buy cigarettes or pop or whatever, he had his little baggies of marijuana, and he was he was he had this little side business. <laughs> and uh and and i'm just a young kid right i'm like oh wow yeah cool I, I guess you know whatever i'm just i'm just chasing girls and drinking beer and driving my ford torino that's souped up Life like, I don't, good. Yeah, like I don't, i'm not really paying attention i don't really care i'm like whatever I actually was not a cannabis user back then um anyway one day he says he goes hey man i need to make this run to arkansas with some product he's like you want to go with one of my friends to take take some take some marijuana to Arkansas from Oklahoma and I don't even know it's like a couple of giant bags of marijuana that he he needed to go to Arkansas for whatever reason I wasn't smart enough to know what was going on I didn't ask him any questions he's just like yeah you want to go with Johnny to Arkansas you guys can like have a good time and just take this take this for me I was like I was like okay I guess I, I you know whatever <laughs> I didn't even I, I didn't None of it really registered in my brain the risk that I was putting myself in at the time. I was no. just a dumb kid. Mm-hmm. And so me and this guy go in my Fort Torino from Oklahoma to Arkansas and take these two giant bags of marijuana to some dude in Arkansas. We just pulled up at his house, gave it to him, stayed the night, went home. I mean, do you know what could have happened to my life had I been pulled over and sent to prison for that? I would be a completely different person. My life would have been turned upside down with one dumbass mistake as a young man. And I you think would have... about, Yeah, I think about all these things for these young men that that make these
2: mistakes, you know? And then they get caught in a system and I feel terrible for them. So well, a few things my mother used to say: idle time is the devil's workshop. A lot of us have too much time on our hands, young, white, black, green, brown, especially yeah. when you're young. Number two, you're the, you're the average of the five people you're associated with. So if you don't, if they don't think it's dumb, you don't think it's dumb. But right? <laughs> however, based on the quantity and you crossing state lines, that's a federal offense. Now you have oh, transportation man, yeah. with the intent to distribute. Now you're a drug lord. Suddenly, <laughs> and if you shared my hue, you probably wouldn't have had great representation, and, and you would have been thrown under the yeah, That's twenty years. That's twenty it, years it, right it, there. For mistake. For and mistake. It was a mistake. It was a mistake. Know what I mean, yeah. so. It, it, I think the with everything, there are certain topics in the in the United States uh, in the world that are there's no easy fix to it. This is not an easy fix as well. Damn. This we got a lot of work to do. And when I, when I talk to my CH, chro about it and the CEO, this is my life's work. So I, I love it's it. Not man. I love what you're doing. It, 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 yeah, it's not it's something that thing. we're the, we're not going to talk next year. And you say, well, Tim, is it done? Yeah, Touchdown. no. <laughs> Because we're trying to open up in every state, we're trying yeah. to open up nationally, and we, we want to have several locations, and we, we're trying to talk to all the, the, the large employers, that. you know, and make the biggest impact, and thereby we, we we hope for the best.
0: I would like to talk offline, I'm going to send you a follow-up, I know I owe you a couple of links, and then I'm going to mm-hmm. send you a follow-up. I'd like for me and you to have a one-on-one conversation about how <laughs> Rider, Rider Flex, our firm, how how we can help more, how we can be involved, what what else can we do? I'll, I want to have a follow-up on that, if that's okay. That sounds like plan to me uh tim congratulations on sounds like a wonderful family sounds like a, a great yes. career sounds like you're you're i love the fact that you're passionate about what you're doing you're not only an expert at the field but you're just helping human beings and changing their lives and uh i love that man
2: congratulations i'm I'm the luckiest man alive trust I and believe it. i'm the luckiest man alive, so i appreciate your time and let's connect let's connect and let's talk some more